0: I tune into the ACCU Sports Lab to see if my team want to lost. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, to would have I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Caville. he know what he be talkin' bout. them control, they know what they be talkin' bout. They can press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know him like I know them they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to lost. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, because so he's going to
1: teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. As you see, Mike Washington and Charles Bishop are out on assignment. So we brought in one half, the other half, if you would, of Brian, an AD of sports rap as the... Visiting professor today, we have Professor Fulford. How's
2: it going today? Ah, oh, man, it's uh, I'm blessed, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here with Scott. Uh, pleasure to be here.
1: You say, uh, I have a tip my cap to you, but you know, I'll leave that right there for a lot of folks to <laughs> ponder on that just a little bit. Um, uh, so welcome to episode 243 of Inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast the show that's covering the sporting HBCU- dash for all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics, to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs. With my co-hosts, Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, we're filming from our home studios and sending the signal live to our k 1230 AM studios with Texas Radio Hall of Fame. Ralph Cooper in a beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. You know, as I tip my cap, I, you know, a lot of folks, I don't know if they believe fat meat breezy. I put on my Dr. Clark shirt. And for those that may not recognize it, let me pull this up just a little bit, just a little bit make sure everybody can read. He once said, and I'll quote it, I only debate my equals, all others I teach. I'm going to park that right there, and I'll leave that just in that good space. So now that I've kind of set the stage, I want to get your framework because it's all out there and everybody is trying to figure out, but I said it straight what it said. I can confirm the SWAT commissioner has reached out to Tennessee State Athletic Director, and thus, the proverbial ball is in the blue, big blue. Tigers backcourt what came to mind
2: when you read that uh first thing that came to mind is uh uh I I believe the athletic director Mickey Allen is the name yes Dr. Mickey Allen okay thank you Dr. Mickey Allen I I was surprised I recalled that because I I got so many names and things in my head I'm I'm impressed that I just remembered that I, I thought to myself Put down those hockey plans and pick up the call from Dr. McClellan. Stop with those hockey plans ASAP. Put that on the shelf back in a (laughs) cupboard somewhere and really really start to address and think about what opportunity is in front of you. Second thing that came to mind is I thought it was very interesting. Dr. McClellan, who – a, a, a very a very savvy very astute commissioner the fact that he would and, and does I, I believe he does nothing without a purpose behind it the fact that he would want that out is telling in itself uh now i i could go off on a tangent and speculate uh but i don't want to do that not on this show uh unless you just say oh go ahead and speculate brian because you sound like all the other lab listeners Go oh, ahead, if the floor is yours, you
1: are the visiting professor. It sounds like you want to open with a little lectern, your own lecture. So what better place to do it than the lab? We'll give you a couple of minutes to opine.
2: <laughs> so, um, again, you start thinking, well, there's two thoughts here. One is, if he's opening this door to Tennessee State, a, I mean, obviously, that potentially could bring a thirteenth team. Nobody likes the number thirteen. It's an odd number for starters, and then number two, it's unlucky. So it makes you say, who could be a fourteenth team member? I wonder Dude, who. I wonder who. You know, tip of the cap to do you, Doc. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that that brings a lot of speculation, a lot of ooh, a lot of people's, you know, just because because it, it look there's there's not you, you you've got the two two other schools or two other schools that ran off to go be a part of uh you know someone else's kool-aid because they must the ice must be colder uh so they ran off and did that you got a host of other schools on the east coast that probably are outside of the footprint of what the SWAC wants to do so that leaves a handful of schools i uh, you know in the georgia area I'm just saying. Uh, so that was first thought. Now, my second thought, now, this is going real deep conspiracy theory, Doc. So follow me here. Mm-hmm. Could there be somebody in the swack? not going to say who, but somebody in the swack thinking about making moves, possibly leaving the SWAC. And so Dr. McClellan being ahead of the game is saying, okay, well, I can find a suitable replacement and there's one right north of Alabama and Mississippi that would be a good fit for our footprint. Just in case you, whoever you are, think that, you know, your roses bloom brighter and smell better than everybody else's can go ahead and move on out of the swack and move up to another level. Now That's a deep conspiracy theory, Doc. That's for me. I watch a lot of TV shows. So that last one. Please don't hold me. That don't grade me on that one. But that's that. That's like on, that's like the last page of the paper where you just like you ever you saw the movie The Pelican Brief, where the yes. Pelican Brief where he just put some theory out there and then all of a sudden got killed for it. So I, I pray, <laughs> I, I pray that that theory does not hold true. That last one, but I just threw that out there because that is a thought that's in my head. I'd be curious to see if any lab listeners had a similar conspiracy theory on their mind with that last. one. I'll,
1: I'll, I, like, I like a good conspiracy theory and I yes. hopefully like the Pelican brief, I certainly don't want to make sure that you get clipped in all this so <laughs> we gonna hold off on that part. but the, that is very suitable. a lot of things out there. Um, I can confirm on this that a actual invitation was not made. Um, so there was some speculations on that. I can I can confirm that a invitation was not made. And I'll park it right there and let everybody get some additional thoughts. But uh, I thought I'd come on and, and just open up, take all that stuff there. But one of the news that I also wanted to talk about as we kind of leave it there, and we'll see what the lab listeners think about, whether it's in terms of conspiracy theories or other theories or hypothetical, hypothesis, whatever they want to look at, we'll take it there if need be. Um, and see what's going on, what's next. Turkey Day Classic between Alabama State and Tuskegee, renewed for three years from HBCU game day. Some people want to put Tuskegee as the 14th member if Tennessee State comes in. Certainly could understand from the prestige of Tuskegee um, in terms of what they've done in the past, successful-wise, the football program, and to some degree, there are other sports. They've dipped down over the last 10 years. The biggest thing that I did want to kind of let people know when you talk about expansion before I get into this three-year contract, which starts in 2023 and obviously goes into 2020, 2025, the new contract means two will meet in the historic 100 Turkey Day Classic in 2024. I like that. You talking about marketing something, you should have caps, T-shirts, uh, that are with a official 100 turkey day classic logo um, that is registered and trademark, um so they can generate some additional revenue off it i do want to give some love to dr jason capel the athletics director uh, of alabama state oh by the way uh, there's a thoughts that he, he may be looking for a basketball coach what's out there I won't confirm or deny that one, but I have some insights in that as well. Quote, the Turkey Day Classic is the premier HBCU Classic game hosted on Thanksgiving. Uh, Dr. Cable continued, quote, playing Tuskegee in the game creates a dynamic experience that cannot be rivaled. This game brings family, friends, and alums together and provides a significant economic impact to the city of Montgomery. I want to thank President Morris, an athletic Director Reginald Ruffin, for their willingness to work with ASU to get a multi-year deal completed. It is a great day to be a Hornet. look forward to this rivalry for the years to come. The two teams last met in Turkey Day Classic during 2021 season, the first time the two had met in the Classic since 2012. The deal renews a game that has been played since its inception in 1924 and has been played 97 times overall. The two teams have met and all but 12 of the turkey day classics all time pretty good information mm-hmm. any thoughts uh on the turkey day classic rule you think it's a good idea
2: or it's just another point of reference what are your thoughts on that? I, it's interesting from the tuskegee side and uh i i definitely can't wait to talk to my partner uh ad drew uh who, who's very tied into tuskegee um and I say that because Reginald Ruffin is now the AD and the football coach coming from miles college where he was competing in the playoffs. And we know that recently Tuskegee for financial, right. Playoffs, uh, Tuskegee for financial purposes opted back in and really are sort of moving himself away from the playoffs, uh, to, to sort of generate some dollars, uh, to help with a lot of the things going on. So, them agreeing to this and running it for the next 3 years essentially takes them out of the division 2 playoffs and opens up the door for those financial opportunities that i guess and it seems like they need right now you know and so so that's a that's an interesting angle you know and i wonder did coach ruffin know that this was a possibility coming in because I, I wonder, you know, he seems like someone who really wants the playoffs, wants the opportunity to the playoffs, uh, to be in the playoffs and, and coach in the playoffs, given where he was with Miles. And if, if he took the Tuskegee job with the thought that he could get Tuskegee back to the playoffs and then all of a sudden a curveball was thrown, how's that go over? But, but I, you know, so I'm curious in terms of the timeline of what he knew and did he what was discussed when he came on board about renewing the uh, Turkey day classic uh, with Alabama state. Shout out
1: to our lab listeners, including Karen Griffin, that always supports us. She wanted to make sure you understood the Pelican, the Pelican brief was written by a woman, Brian. <laughs> May yes. I tell you that male bias gets you, gets us every time. Appreciate the love and making sure that we straight. Chad Cooper says, Dean with the CAU hat on. Nice jacket. Thank you. Thank you. You, read, you saw the cap. I'm surprised that you realized <laughs> that I had a cap on. Yeah. I wonder what that means. Uh, TU is not interested in going to the swag. Hey, right, good point. I, I would agree. Edwin Dwight Moses, good afternoon, Dean and Professor Fourth. Uh, as you in here. Shout out to a couple of more of those live listeners before we get into it. Uh, this break, I did want to say that in all seriousness, when you talk about expansion, I think it's important for people to understand because people tend to look at it from a football perspective. And that is obviously the one and a lot of times it kind of rings the bell and, and uh, puts everything in perspective. But it gets to a point as you're moving up and you got this FBS talk that's out there. One of the things that you're looking for in a lot of ways is swack models more of an FBS model in terms of the championship game format it has, not uh, having an automatic bid to the playoffs, and the fact that the champion of the conference goes to the celebration bowl. Same thing with the MEAC other than a conference championship, but the championship team at the end of the regular season goes to the celebration bowl, which is a more of an FBS model. But when you get into this FBS model and the fact that they have the unique ability Uh, with the deal with ESPN, which was significant in terms of this next um, contract expansion that came up in terms of that money. And that's one of the reasons you're starting to see some of the SWAC schools, the SWAC in itself, create its own conference, uh, classic, if you would, Uh, Jackson State pulling out the Southern Heritage Classic. The promoter model is going to be significantly impacted because of what ESPN is paying, at least in terms of the celebration of both, to some degree, of me, a challenge in terms of that money. Um, it's more than uh, increased uh, at one time as a million. It's almost up to 1.5 million. Really, it's past 1.5 million over the next six years to give you some indication of what you're talking about contractually uh, for each conference. That's significant money even when you're talking about both frameworks. So... The next thing that you do when you're looking at expansion, if you're looking at the FBS model, I want to make sure people understand that. You know, if you're looking at the FBS model, the FCS model, a lot of times you're expanding to make sure you're at six or more in such a way that you can get an automatic bid to the FCS playoffs. That's one thing um, that you want. To, but when you're talking about in creation, in cre- in increasing the footprint of a conference, you want to get into new markets. And that's why it becomes a little tough or Miles College, or Tuskegee, even though they've had solid programs, one historically, one more recently, you want to get into new markets. You want to get into large markets that have television, because when you sign a TV contract broadcast rights, that's what we're going to look for. If we quickly look at the SEC, you've seen them expand. They expanded into Texas, the last one previously, which was Texas A&M and Missouri, wanting to get into those large media markets. Why? So when they go back to the television and look at a new deal, the television side wants to know what markets are you in that's going to drive television for us to increase the money that we are willing to pay you. That's the same scenario that you want for the SWAC. So while you look at programs and look at Tennessee State and say they don't have baseball, every team in the SWAC, doesn't necessarily play every sport. Now, mainly in terms of football, obviously, men's and women's basketball and baseball, which is affinity sport in this conference. is, is pretty big, along with softball. Um, that is something you look at. But when you start talking about the national market, that becomes a significant market. If you can get into Atlanta in terms of Clark Atlanta, that's a significant market. So when you go back to the table, when this contract's up, you're talking about real negotiating power particularly when you can stick on top of that, the academic side of this. People don't realize that Clark Atlanta is an R2 institution. That's high research. Tennessee State, many people may realize, is also R2. Well, there's already five institutions in the swag that are R2, starting with Prairie View and Southern, which were the new- newest members of R2 when it was announced this year. Texas Southern has been there. Jackson State has been there. And FAMU has been there, that's five. You go to a 14 member conference, you add two R2s, you're talking about seven of the 14 schools are R2 research institutions. That is significant, not only in terms of what you're doing and what it does to rebrand the other institutions in terms of making them more marketable in terms of student engagement when they're looking at the school of choice, but also in terms of partnering these schools from an academic perspective, of understanding what that looks like in the marketplace. And then you parallel that in terms of the Fortune 500 companies that you'll see in Nashville and Atlanta, and it becomes easier to get them to look at supporting you because now you not only have these super regional brands, you have even more of a national brand that is already strong. And we're not even talking about coaches like Coach George that told you OVC was done that he's looking to get into it. Mickey, in terms of the OVC and his criti- criticizing him, was the fact that he wanted more HBCUs. Well, hell, you can't get more HBCUs than the SWAC, but that may be different. He may have some other choices and other things he's looking at, but that's beside the point. But then you get into the Atlanta market, uh, which is the number one African-American radio market. So let me say that again, that people don't do their research. Atlanta is the number one in the United States in terms of an African-American, black, whichever you prefer, radio market. That's significant when you're talking about your streaming platforms, your radio broadcast rights, uh, when you bring that in. You book in now that you have Houston, Atlanta, Nashville, and then you have these classics that you play, you know, that comes in under the, umbrella of the classic where you already now have these classics obviously even though they're not going to play in it but let's say you have some type of classic with jackson state uh and tennessee state or for some reason if it goes to the conference they decide to stay with the southern heritage classic now you have five of the top classes where all the SWAT schools instead of seven of the 14 playing in these classics. You put all that together, you're talking about economic power and might in terms of giving the commissioner even more leverage. So, I wanted to kind of park this in a such a way that we went to uh, really understand what it means when people start talking about expansion. What do you look at and move beyond just the face mount of whether you have a good football team or not, or whether you have a couple of facilities. Because the infrastructure is one thing, but every institution that's going to make a move is going to have to invest in your infrastructure. That's a choice. That's a choice. Whether you have a president, an alumni association, um, a conference that decides that investing in athletics is something you want to do. It's not whether you can or not. It's a choice in terms of how much you want to. So I'll park it right there. We'll come back. We'll get a little more into the sports talk, but I did want to double down. Like I said, didn't want to get into a debate. Uh, I thought it was good that we put some things on and had a little fun earlier, but I wanted to close it out where we literally had a lecture and taught a little bit. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Sherman Ultra Ultrasoft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less.
2: Sweet colors of softness. This is
0: soft. Holy Charmin. excuse me. Roll it back,
3: everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. (laughs) We all go. Why not enjoy the go with
2: Charmin? From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service, with Slow Burn. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival. You can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com.
0: But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab. Yeah. Oh. <sighs>
3: and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.EmpowermentResourcesInc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowerment.jax.
0: Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love to so listen to
1: Professor, uh, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, because he going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We have some games going on. Obviously, you yeah, the SIAC. We'll get you some of those updates and let you know what's going on there. On the Division I side, you have some games being played. Uh, Hampton won their open round game. But now, uh, as they move into the quarterfinals, they uh, on the women's side, they're taking on Longwood. Uh, it's in the third quarter. For those Hampton fans out there got a little work to do. They're down nine points as they're down 51 to 40 with 324 left in the third quarter. Uh, in terms of that matchup.
2: They're
1: making uh, a game we, of it. Yeah, they're trying to get it in there. It should be interesting. Oh, I was worried about winning, it earlier. Yeah, on the women's side, I can give you finals. Check this out. On the women's side, the season has closed, so we can give you finals there. We'll talk about in the third quarter where people finish, but I'll at least give you the scoring updates. You have. North Carolina Central getting a win over South Carolina State 84 to 74. you have Norfolk closing out the city getting defeating Howell 62 to 58. You have Maryland Eastern Shore 66 to 48 and Morgan State 53 to 47 and that's going to be interesting in terms of what that means in terms of the standings uh, as you have a three-way tie. Again, we'll talk a little bit about who that is and what that looks like. Uh, but you also get a little more in terms of what's going on there. Also, in terms of a game that is concluded, which is the quarterfinals, Tennessee State. The women they got a victory yesterday, so they played Austin Peay uh, today, and they lost by 14. Uh, they were defeated 67 to 53 in that matchup. Some games that are going on now are in the squat, which will be interesting to see what is taking place there. You have Alabama AM hosting Gramley. They are leading 46 to 40 with 7.08 left in the game. It's in the fourth quarter there. You have Alabama State and Southern in a close one, 26 to 25, one minute before halftime, one oh six to be exact. You have Jackson State uh, down to Arkansas Pombler. You saw they had their yes. nailbite against Texas Southern. They're in another tough one there, uh, down by five at halftime so they have a second half that they got to get rolling they're down 39 to 34 to be exact and you have a battle between mississippi valley state and Alcorn state in terms of mississippi it's also at the half and the delta devils lead the braves 23 to 21 in terms of that i know this is on the women's side so we'll get into the men a little later uh but in terms of the men's, you wanted to kind of set up some stuff before we got into it, particularly for your rallies, as they're in their inaugural basketball season. Women's didn't do too well, so we'll stick with the men and take a deeper bite of the apple since we're talking about snakes here, uh, pun intended. Let me know what you have to put on the table, Brian. At this time,
2: well, let me first say I I I would be what a what a deflating thing it would be if jackson state's women did not finish the deal and go perfect i mean that that i'm rooting for perfection i think anything short of perfection would be anticlimactic uh you know from a history standpoint doc i'd be curious to know where this season or where this run of three years compares uh to some other great swack Players, I mean, we're talking two players in uh Rogan and uh Williams, uh, and and then being led by Coach Reed. I mean, I mean, this is a um, I don't want to say unprecedented because I'm still learning my swag history, but uh, <laughs> you know, let's just say I, I feel like it. We called it Yukonish. that's what we called it on uh, on the sports rap, and so like that's it. what it feels I like, like it. you know, like um, like- but yeah, but going over to the men, right? So. For FAMU, uh, who's new into the conference this year, they're sitting at 10-7, and seven, uh, which puts them in fourth place and pretty much are holding on to that spot. I mean, they're, uh, let's see, a game and a half behind Southern, who still has to play two games while FAMU has just one game left. So they're pretty, and, and they've lost the tiebreaker to Southern. So they're pretty much locked into no higher than the four seed. The thing is, Grambling, who they've beaten twice, is sitting right behind them at the five spot. Uh, so Grambling could theoretically, uh, essentially, you has to take care of business against Bethune Cookman on Saturday to wrap up the four seed. The five seed, interesting between Grambling and the six seed Alabama AM. Uh, Grambling's, the, we're, we're kind of rooting for Grambling State because we've beaten them twice. Alabama A&M is one and one. Uh, but, and, and they're the hot team right now. Next to uh, Alcorn, Alabama A&M has won five games in a row. I mean, so they're currently nine and seven. So think about that. At the halfway point of the season, they were two and seven. Second half, they have won five games in a row. And, I mean, look, theoretically, if they win the last two games, puts them at 11 and seven, they can get up as high as three, four, you know, they're anywhere from three to five is their ceiling. So what an amazing turnaround by Alabama a and I don't want to see them going into the tournament, you know, stay away from the hot team. So that's why, <laughs> you know, Prairie preview is another hot team that you want to kind of stay away from uh, down at the bottom. Interesting. Jackson state currently is seven and nine with the game tonight. Against UAPB. And then they're battling with Bethune Cookman. So Bethune Cookman has something to play for when they travel to Tallahassee on Saturday because uh, Bethune Cookman win, a Jackson State loss could move Bethune from the nine spot into the tournament at the eight spot. Um, I think it would take, uh, I don't know, Alabama State. Let's see, they're playing Southern tonight. You know, is, is it possible they could beat Southern? I mean, you know, Southern hasn't been playing their best of late. Uh, They've stumbled, so it is possible. But if Alabama State loses, they're pretty much out. And then that just, like I said, that puts it on um, Bethune going to Tallahassee. So that's going to make, you know, that rivalry is deep, that FAMU-Bethune rivalry. So it's just going to make it that much more intensified uh, going into the SWAC tournament. So uh, really excited to be a part of uh, the SWAC and actually in the hut. And I think Rattler Nation really feels like they have a, we have a puncher's chance. We, we probably have more than a puncher's chance. I mean, we have a, I think there are legitimately five teams that have played well all season that have a shot at winning the SWAC. And I think we're one of those five. And uh, who knows, if Alabama A&M keeps winning, might want to say six. So it'll make for an interesting quarterfinals in Birmingham. I, I'm just imploring people to go. I want to know how many Lab listeners are going. I I send a shout out to Rattler Nation. I said, how many Rattlers are going to Birmingham? You know, how many how many Lab listeners are going to Birmingham? Because I think on the men's side, no disrespect to the women, but I think you're 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 going to get uh, what four, five, six, seven great games yeah. uh, in the men's side.
1: I totally agree with that. I would even hesitate and say it maybe six deep in terms of legitimate teams that can go high with the crown. But I certainly could see where five is that number. It's gonna be fascinating. Stick with us, we'll be right back as we enter into halftime with this next break. We'll come back for the second half of the show and enter into the third quarter. Stick with us, we'll be right back after this next break. It's
0: never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUpridejoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter.
2: The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm we help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions For individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level, contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay.
0: Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between
1: washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Never not working. Never not working.
3: Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology.
2: From
0: analytic data, with is hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're gonna tell you if your team, if they want to lot and root about, about. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, because he gonna teach a lesson.
1: This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab with Professor Fourfoot as we have Dr. Ville's inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. They're out on assignment. Professor Drew that also sits in oftentimes, uh, he's out on assignment, and he certainly would call this miakish. as you have three teams that have tied for first place. I had to give him a shout out. You have Morgan State at 11-3. You have Howard at 11-3. No focus. At 11 and 3, Norfolk State. That is Coppin State at 9 and 5. Maryland Eastern Store at 7 and 7. South Carolina State finished at 4 and 10. North Carolina Central 3 and 11, and Delaware State goes winless for um, the non-conference part of the season as they're 0 and 23 and 0 and 14 in terms of the conference. Can they have the biggest upset of the year and get their first win? In the tournament as they will face number one seed. It'll be interesting to see who's actually the number one seed, because I told you it's Howard and Norfolk. Well, let's get in and see what they did in terms of the conference race. You had in terms of those teams, you had Norfolk defeating Morgan State. So write this down. 64 to 52. See if we can figure some of this out. That's Norfolk winning 64 to 52. Morgan State also defeated Howard in the first matchup 67-61 to 61, uh, in terms of what's going on with those teams. But as you get into the rematches, see what took place there, you have Morgan State defeating Norfolk State the second time, 51-48. So they have uh, the 2-0 edge over Norfolk State. But you have Howard that defeated Morgan State in the second matchup point differential. So overall, that means they're three and one. And so it'll be interesting to see when you start looking at Howard, if you would what did they do against the other two uh, in those matchups? Where did they finish when you talk about um, their standing as they went? Let's see. Howard, as we said, they lost. I mean, they defeated Morgan State in February, but they lost to, defeated Norfolk State. So that's two wins back in January. uh, When you talk about that Norfolk matchup, this had that one, Norfolk defeated them. So that's two and one. The second round, when you look at that, Morgan State matchup, Morgan State beat Howard, so they two and two. So it looks like Morgan State will probably be, end up being that number one seed, um, and then it will come down between Norfolk State. I think Howard edges out Norfolk State, so they may be uh, the second seed and then Norfolk the third seed. We need to check that a little closer in terms of tie breaks. But it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if that really matters in terms of the first-round matchups because you saw who was at the bottom. But it could be interesting in terms of what does that mean when you have the one versus four and two versus three when you get in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Just your overall thoughts in terms of seeding and matchups uh, when you have a three-way tie. In those type of scenarios, one team matches up uh, pretty well this way but not with the other team. Getting in the tournament, do you think that's a big deal? Do you buy in those kind of things? Are you like, hey, let's mess up, lace them up and just
2: play? I, you know, I I think basketball is so much about matchups. But I'm glad you said that. Thank you. It, it, it really is. It really is about matchups. And But with that said, when it comes to these tournaments, Ooh. um, you have to consider the fact that there's only one bid. Only one, as good as Howard, Morgan, Coppin, Norfolk State, only one of those four are going to the NCAA tournament you know, and nobody's really playing for the NIT. Everybody's trying to get to the NCAA tournament. Okay. So I think, uh, the matchup sort of is sort of the, the, matchup aspect is nullified a little bit with the sense of urgency that everyone has. So yes, you have to survive that opening round because clearly there is a top four and a next tier, the team that I would be worried about. I would hate to well, obviously Coppin is the four, um, and they would have to play Maryland Eastern Shore. So that's a um, 9-5 versus seven seventeen, Right. And so if there's going to be an upset, it it might be there. But I okay. really think the top four teams are legitimately good teams. Howard, Morgan, Norfolk, Coppin, all legitimate. And they played that way all year. Coppin sort of come up on the short end of the stick these last couple games. That's the only reason it's not like a four-team race, right? Um So don't I I think you can't sleep on the fact that the semifinals, if it plays out with the top four seeds, are going to be really interesting. And I fully expect them to come down to the last bucket or two. Uh, Look, the MIAC had a great championship game last year, uh, a a game that, you know, Howard, uh, I'm sure they're kicking themselves. Uh, They're looking for a little redemption after essentially blowing a game that they had won. They just couldn't close it out at the free throw line and open the door for AT to take it from them. So, um, but then, you know, like I said, Morgan, Norfolk, Coppin, all coming for Howard this year. And, and you know, so who knows? The It will be interesting if Morgan is the one seed and Coppin is the four. There's that rivalry there. So, again, what does, what does one versus four mean in the Battle of Baltimore Part 3? Beats exactly. Nothing.
1: Now, Morgan State uh, won both games, but the second game, to your point, was a two-point game—six-two-sixty right. or something like yes. that. So yep. the first one's twelve points, so they beat them pretty handily. But yeah, it's always hard to beat a team, you know, three times in a year unless you really are that much more dominated. But uh, even on the road, they only won by two. So it'll be interesting to see if somebody was out. What did that look like? But uh, you get those kind of things. So. But even in a robbery game, it doesn't matter. You can kind of throw that out. So, to be fascinating here. Let me give you some more updates in terms of uh, getting to the end. You have Alabama A&M uh, with a three-point lead over Grambling, 13 seconds left. Ooh-wee, that's going to be a good one. Valley has pulled away a little bit from all corners. They're getting into the third quarter with five and a half left, 38-27. Uh, Alabama State, as I told you, is still at the half leading uh, Southern 26-25. You have Arkansas Pine, but still at the half, as we said, leading uh, Jackson State 39-34. Um, a and Alabama a has won final 55-51. Um, get into some of these standings to see how they shake it out. Uh, Jackson State 16-0, and obviously, they're in that class. They've clinched the number one seed in, in the regular season championship. But you have that fight between two, three, and four. Alabama State is 11 and 5. Southern is 11 and 5. AM just gone to 12 and 5, obviously, in terms of that. You have Texas Southern 11 and 6. Grambling at 9 and 7. They fall to 9 and 8. Uh, PV is a 9 and 8. Uh, UAPB is 8 and 8. Family, Bethune, Cookman, Valley, and Alcorn, they're all outside of the tournament. So the top eight are oh, in. The question is just where they finish. So it's going to be interesting when you just kind of coming to the race. Any final thoughts on the SWAC women's side? I know you have a couple of games uh, that will get closer tonight, but she really goes down to Saturday. So I'm not sure if there's much you can say about it. But I did want to give you a chance just in terms of um, those four teams that are packed up all currently with 11 wins, obviously, and then we'll jump to 12 with the win today. But uh, three of them at 11-5 and, and then Texas Southern 11-6. and six. As you start closing out this season, it's fascinating to see who's gonna get that second, third, fourth seed. I think what you want in this case, oddly enough, you want to find a way to be two or three.
2: You do yes. not want to be four. No, correct. <laughs> right. You have four teams fighting for one, two, three. You have four teams fighting for the two and three seed. They, they <laughs> do not no one, no one wants to be the four or five because that just means you end up with Jackson State in the semifinals. You don't want that spot you're like, let me be the tour. Let's fight to be the two, three. So, um, you know, this Southern Alabama state game, uh, I don't know where that game is broadcast at. I, I, hopefully it's on Alabama State's YouTube, but I, you know, after the lab, I, I would, I would be tuned in because the second half of that contest is going to be a knockdown drag out fight. Um, and then let me see, we already, well, we already know, let's see, Texas Southern doesn't play tonight. So, they're kind of the odd team out, um, you know. And then yeah, they, they have, have the back. big rivalry game with Prairie View, so they're
1: sitting on the side along with that Bethune Cookman and FAMU, which uh, they're out on the women's side. But I would we'll talk about. We'll get to talk about uh, in the next quarter on the men's side. We'll wear that FAMU and Bethune Cookman, and as you said, will get interesting. A uh, and M finished up, but let me before we take this break, we got four minutes left in the fourth in the quarterfinals between Hampton and Lawwood. It is a seven-point game. Longwood still is leading 63-54. to 54. Ken Hampton, uh, the Lady Pirates make a late run to make this interesting in terms of what's taking place uh, there. Stick with us. We'll be right back as we get into the fourth quarter and talk about the men's side of uh, these tournaments coming up. We have some teams, Big South, as well as the OVC in the quarterfinals. we get a chance to maybe talk a little bit about that. We'll get into MEAC as those games are going on now on the men's side, get you some – uh, in interest. Norfolk State is already closed it out, uh, but you're looking for seating on the wrestling team and fascinating what's going to take place in the SWAC. Stickers will get back in the fourth quarter when things really get interesting as we are closing in uh, on the tournament. Put your dancing shoes on. It's time to go
2: dance. We'll be right back after this break. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com.
3: Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and Rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, One Eighty Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. The full, but we Mango's Caribbean uh-huh. Restaurant open daily from eleven a.m. to ten p.m. and on Friday and Saturday we're open till four a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a good- Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404 698 3992. Or log on to Mango'sCaribbeanRestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text MANGOS to
0: 313131. Hungry. Mango's
3: it's Caribbean hungry. Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine.
2: Caribbean. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the
0: Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made.
2: We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change.
0: Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry.
3: Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Press the yeah. analytic
0: data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they gonna tell you if your team, if they want a lot, let
1: bow. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, he t- Shout out to the SIAC as they're going with their tournaments. Men's and women's getting hot. Obviously, last week was all about the CIAA. This week, it's all about the SIAC. CIAA did a great job in terms of social media marketing, um, which it'll be interesting to see in terms of SIC. It pushed them to have to push the envelope even a little more than what they're doing. Because of the CIAA did so well. I think you kind of mentioned that. But let's get into uh, a big matchup in terms of quarterfinals. AT, they were able to win their first game there as they got out of the opening round, if you were the first round, as they like to call it over there in the Big South. Uh, they take on Longwood, that won uh, the regular season, if you would, in the Big South North. They were 15 1, they are 23 6 overall. Can you name the team that gave Longwood
2: their long conference loss, Professor Fullford? Uh I think they fell victim to Club Corbett, uh, <laughs> as the folks like to call it out there in Greensboro, North Carolina, where they say Aggie pride, Aggie pride all day until it becomes annoying to you. But, yeah, they, uh, <laughs> the club, they caught the Club Corbett uh, fever, and they lost 70 to 62. So that's got to give A&T, um a reason to feel really good going in to uh, this contest. And, and the first time they played them, they only lost by eight. so and that was on the road. So um, they, they definitely are, are not uh, are, are, and, and for T, look, coming off of losing four in a row after that win to Longwood, it, it says a lot that they got that win uh, the other night in overtime uh, because right. they could have easily folded the tent. I mean, when you get four games, when you lose four in a row going into the tournament, I've seen teams that I love, they fold the tent at that point. So it shows the fight of AT. and so I think Longwood is Longwood's probably wishing that AT would have lost that game because that's probably the last team they want to see in their first game of the tournament. So it should be an entertaining game. Yeah, and this is a raffle team that split for
1: A&T, but they played close. Uh t got raffle the first time, 73 to 72. That was back uh January 8th. Uh and most recently they had one uh February 26th, where AT got a little uh lost again. Uh this time 62-53, so they got beat up. But, but when it counted in the tournament, at least in terms of the NCAC, they got it done. So I'm fascinated, too, in a lot of ways of what this will look like in terms of the tournament uh, on Friday. I'll keep a little eye on what may take place there. We'll see what looks forward. Then you have Tennessee State, Southeast Missouri. Southeast Missouri leads early in the contest, 13 to 7, 1131 to be exact, left in a game. When you talk about Tennessee State and South uh, East Missouri in terms of that matchup, when you talk about the season, what took place, to give you a little insight in in terms of what got done for Tennessee State, what I'm looking for in that matchup is, is fascinating. Let me get in to see what those games were. In terms of Tennessee State, they defeated Southeast Missouri back on January 8th. Oddly enough, same time that A&T played rapper, they won 95 to 84 in that matchup. The second time, though, Southeast Missouri just pounded Tennessee State, 85 to 63. It was a weird game because I watched that. I had a chance to kind of watch it. And Tennessee State was really playing well, like most of the first half. And Southeast Missouri made a little run, got it down respectable, but in the second half, they just turned it on. It was like Tennessee State just disappeared, couldn't do anything right. So it's going to be interesting to see what takes place for the rest of this game uh, today between these teams in terms of the tournament matchup. What are your thoughts, Southeast Missouri State and Tennessee State? Can Tennessee State get it done in the quarterfinal?
2: I think they can. not Look, I think it's possible. Four or five matchups, two even teams. I think they can get it done. What's interesting, though, Doc, have you seen the bracket layout for the OVC? Now, this is an eight-team field, right? An 18 field, the one and two seeds get a double buy. It's crazy. You talk about setting yourself up to send your best team to the NCAA. Hint to hint to HBCUs. Um, I'm not saying that you know. I, I, I've I've been I, I can go in a soapbox about my thoughts about postseason tournaments and and, H, and what the MIAC and SWAC have done. Uh, <laughs> and, and but but I, I find it interesting that the OVC. Has it set up where Murray State, who many people prognosticators are really talking about Murray State being a a top four seed um, in, in in the NCAA tournament? Well, they could be a two bid team even if they stumble in the opening game for them, which is the semifinals. Imagine the one and two seeds' first game is the semifinals. You're one game away from the championship. Whereas the, the team like Tennessee State, who's the five seed, would have had to play uh, three games just to get to the championship game. It's an eight-team field, the same number of teams that are going into the SWAT. Just so so I, I, it's just fascinating how the OVC has modeled. I don't think I've seen a model like this because I saw it and I was looking and I was counting. Okay, they must have like nine teams. They have seven teams. And then I'm looking and I'm saying, wait a minute, it's eight teams. Oh, my God. They gave the one and two seed a double bye. That's outrageous, but it's smart, in my opinion. You set yourself up to send your best team to the NCAA. Yeah, and you make some really good points when you talk about that matchup. I think
1: I've seen it before in the Southland the last time I've seen, and and this is when they used to play um, in terms of the home. They would play their top team, top seed, regular season would play at home, basically. Then they went to Katie uh, for a while, but they did the double buys a couple of times where the two teams got a double buy, your three and four teams got a one buy. They already made it to the quarterfinals. And you let your other teams play uh, what they call first round games, which means the winners would go and play in the quarterfinals and the quarterfinal winners would play in the semifinals uh, with those team teams resting. There's that's, there's the give and the take with that, though. You know, you got other teams that are lathered up and playing a couple of games, at least one, before they play you. So some people will talk about that, where they would rather play that opening game. So, you know, I like the idea that you're setting it up for your best team. Uh, but if it's not meant to be, sometimes uh, it's just not going to happen, no matter what you do. So it, it is interesting to see what formula. It would be and even more intriguing to take a deeper dive, if you would, to see in that format, how many times does the one or two team actually play in the finals? And what does that look like? Um, usually that yeah. thing. But this is a tournament, in terms of OVC, though, where they've had Belmont, who has been a top 25 team, obviously Murray, is a top 25 team. So they've had some teams. So they've always kind of put themselves where if the top team doesn't get out, that they can get that second team in. Um, and this is a conference that previously gave – rewarded teams for playing certain schedules. So it'll be fascinating to really look, to see moving forward with all uh, the teams moving and leaving the OVC, what kind of model they would move forward. Let's talk before we get into the swag and kind of close things out. MIAC, uh, you have fascinating matchups. Again, Morgan State at Cotton State, South Carolina State at North Carolina Central, Howard and Norfolk State, Delaware State Maryland Eastern Shore. As we said, Norfolk State has clinched everything, uh, but you do have some intrigue between the next six teams uh, where you have <clears throat> four game difference, uh, right? But in terms of how those seeds may move up one seed based on the game that's played today, the interest, you have Howard at nine and four, North Carolina Central at seven and five, South Carolina State at seven and six, Morgan State at six and six, Coppin State at six to seven, Maryland Eastern Shore at five and eight. Delaware State is at oh and 13 in the conference, two and 24 overall, just to let you know, Unlike what we saw on the women's side, uh, they have won some non-conference games. So I'm fascinated with these matchups in terms of these games where you have uh, South Carolina Central to see where that will shift in terms of the final seeding. But let's get into the SWAT before we close it out and see your thoughts on these games that will be played a little later today. You have Grambling at Alabama A&M, Arkansas Pine left at Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State at All Southern at Alabama State. One of the ones I wanted to kind of focus on when you're talking about Jackson State is they're trying to get in the tournament. Obviously, you got out there the news uh, that their head coach is going, has resigned or will resign. And then there's thoughts about Mo Corder moving from Alabama State. How do you think that's going to affect these teams with Alabama State facing Southern? And you're hearing all this mix. Uh, don't know whether these coaches have said anything to uh, their players, student athletes. Jackson State, are they going to play harder to make sure they give a chance for the coach to go out, you know, on a positive note. What about Alabama State? Obviously, they want to get in the tournament. How is that going to affect uh,
2: this, these kind of last couple of games? What are your thoughts on that? I, well, look, Doc, I, I've been, obviously, I've had other things going on uh, in my life, so you're breaking news for me uh, that, that Jackson's, I, where have I been? Uh, the fact <laughs> that I, I totally missed the news that Jackson State's head coach is—you said he's retiring or resigning? Yeah, he—he—he's he, resigned. He basically
1: retiring. Yeah, he, he's um, saying that uh, he's not going to move forward with the program. He basically resigned. My understanding that he actually resigned early in the season, but it's just coming out now uh, that um, th- this is it for him.
2: Wow, and uh, and so yeah, and so wow, uh, that's. Um... You know, I, that's tough to say. I mean, I got to imagine if, if the players know that, I would imagine guys that's, are going to be – You great. know, that's
1: close, Brent, Wayne Brent.
2: Wayne Brent, um, yeah. It's not necessarily being
1: official, but I've heard a little bit, and, and I, I think um, usually in some cases where to smoke a fire. So it would be fascinating to see uh, what effect
2: that will have
1: in terms of them moving forward.
2: Yeah, and <clears throat> that, that would mean – that would be – Two openings in uh, the state of Mississippi for men's basketball programs. Um, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because you talk about Lindsey Hunter, uh, uh-huh.
1: obviously was put on suspension.
2: The, this, there, it um, makes you wonder. Does he? You talk about Mo Carter. Has 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 Lindsey Hunter's record at Mississippi Valley State sullied him uh, or made him less attractive to his alma mater? No doubt. I no. think that's uh, without a doubt, no. but especially
1: when you talk about the way that he's leaving Valley it makes it even more challenging because you don't know actually what went down there. So not only in terms of his record and question, but now you have maybe some questions in terms of what else took place that yeah. makes, makes it even more challenging. So yeah, I, I, I think it makes it real hard for Lindsey Hunter to be able to move over there. And a lot of folks were, um, not very happy with Ashley with Brent in terms of when that extension was made. A lot of people wanted them to go with Lindsey Hunter and he moved forward and took that Valley job and uh,
2: got the coach's son, but unfortunately it didn't work out. down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go with, I'll go with players playing hard for the retiring coach over players wondering whether their coach would be coming back. <laughs> so, Uh, In that respect, you know, not a good move. Watch out, UAPB. Jackson State's got two home games. So, um, you know, Jackson State's got a chance to finish with two wins. Uh, Two wins gets them in the tournament, uh, or in the uh, SWAC tournament. I mean, they hold off uh, Bethune-Cookman easily with two wins. And uh, so I I think – So that's amazing when you think about the two teams that won the regular season
1: last year, co-champions, were undefeated. Uh, went to the semifinals in terms of Jackson State lost to the eventual champion Texas Southern, while Prairie View went to their third championship in four years. Remember, one year it was canceled, and uh, Texas Southern got revenge from the previous time that Prairie View and Texas Southern played in the championship where Prairie View won. Um, so, but there's potential uh, that to some degree that both of these teams, if not at least one of these teams, cannot be in the top eight and make the tournament after being uh, top one and two seeds, uh, which is amazing. Uh, Prairie View may have the toughest role, depending on what Bethune-Cookman does in their final matchup, uh, because Jackson State, Bethune-Cookman both had the head-to-head. Jackson State had the single, I mean, had the two victories, so they're 2-0 against Prairie View. And Bethune-Cookman had that one-point close matchup, but it was the only game played, so they have that victory. So if it's tied between these teams, uh, those teams have the edge, which means Prairie View uh, is going to be in a position if Bethune-Cookman beats FAMU, and FAMU has a lot to play for at home, not only is it a rival, but they're trying to fight for seeding. So that's a fast one to keep your heads on. Uh But the thing about it, for the Prairie View-Texas Southern game, it's the nightcap. So they will know going into the tournament. Uh, what yeah. position they will be in? So that's some fascinating.
2: Any final thoughts on that before we close out? Um, I, has the has FAMU and Bethune made the SWAC a better men's basketball uh, tournament? Yeah, we talked about football, we talked about baseball, all these other sports. We didn't talk about really basketball, feeling the impact of FAMU yeah. and Bethune Cookman. And I would say the answer might be yes. I mean, you know, FAMU is now a basketball school. We've always been. We were just quiet. We were just quiet about it. But,
1: uh, <laughs> I like, so I like.
2: it, and, and Bethune has upset some people to the point where they have made themselves known. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pretty interesting to see, uh, how, how impactful, uh, FAMU and Bethune's entrance into the, uh into the men's basketball landscape has sort of uh, as you just brought out, taking the top, taking two of the top three teams and sort of flipped them on their head uh, going into the SWAC tournament. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I really wish I, I, why couldn't this tournament be next week when I'm on spring break? Cause I would just be chalked up. I would just be kicking my feet up in Birmingham watching these games. Uh, so I'm, you know, anyway, I'm gonna have to try to, to watch as much as I can. So I'm looking forward to yeah. the swag. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to flip over and watch some of these games
1: uh, streaming in the various platforms, but I do want to give a shout-out. I'd be remiss if I didn't shout-out um, Alcorn State Braves in terms of what they got done. Uh great season uh, thus far, and they're basically a victory away from clinching it. So it'll be fascinating to see what the Braves do in terms of uh, their basketball season. Uh, a lot of good basketball being played uh, in, in that area. Big matchups, and they can do it against the rival. So that's going to be kind of one to keep your eyes on in terms of what's going on in a lot of ways. Coach Bussey, uh coming out there, getting it done, uh, starting it off with Mississippi Valley tonight. So I'll keep my eyes on that one. With that, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Live. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington, and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Special guest, Professor Fourfoot, bringing in, make sure you catch the sports wrap with Brian and AD as they do it on Wednesdays and Sunday, giving you the great news in terms of all levels of HBCU Sports, specializing in a lot of ways on the mid-major programs of, I like to call it, from NCAA and NIA. You can't get better news than what they do in terms of depth, coverage they give, and they're able to bring in some of those coaches for interviews. If you haven't caught them from last Sunday, uh, check them out. Um, They had some great clips for those championships, uh, coaches that got it done at the NIA level. Inside, as well as the CIAA for that matter. Inside HBCU Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. uh, Inside HBCU Sports Lab on YouTube and Facebook. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A, C A V I L, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Never know when I'll drop some more confirmation news, so you might want to follow. Cause I have that plug, as they may say. You never know, as I tip the cap. What's going on? You know, just you know. Cause as I said, I don't debate. I don't debate. <laughs> Dream continue. big, continue. No doubt. Dream big, continue to move forward. We'll talk with you soon. Brian.
2: Course. Roy. Lecture. Smith.